When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. there how are you i'm doing good how are you he says i i understand now that people go through it with lack of sleep and kids my dad <laughs> my dad warned me he said um i still remember the fatigue i had when you were born 33 years ago so <laughs> i i understand what he means by that now man i can't describe how exhausted i am but i'm good i'm glad man i'm glad that you're doing good and i just want to say congratulations on your daughter i do appreciate i do thank you for being on the show hey it's uh i i realize a week off a podcast podcast is what makes me sane and with the baby i think it's even more important i get myself involved if not i'll just go nuts <laughs> <laughs> well i'm glad that you decided to join me tonight <laughs> all right well i'm happy to, to be on here i'm really happy to do this um this top 10 because i'm a i, I love music and for me uh when something stands out uh it really stands out and i have a passion for music in movies same here as well and this is why i'm glad that we're actually doing our top 10 soundtracks and movie uh music catalog yes sir so so with further ado i'm gonna go on ahead and introduce the show and then introduce you and we'll go on ahead and do this yes sir all right hello movie lovers and welcome to the show this is john diagori from movie lovers unite as always and Tonight, I actually have a special guest with me. That is Louis the Frenchy Monet. He's with me tonight. Say hello to everyone. Yeah, hello everyone. Hello, movie you, uh, movie lovers. It's uh, I'm happy to be back, and like I said before, very exhausted. But uh, I need to talk about movies at least once a week, apparently. So I'm here. Well, I have some good news. For once a week, I'll be your therapist. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, do I need one? Uh, oh, my. <laughs> um yeah so the, let's let's get this started sir okay so for my top 10 list i always go back to soundtracks that i can listen to over and over again or memories mm. that i have with certain movies as well and for my number one i've got the crow down for your number 10 you mean yeah for my well hold on my number 10 i've got almost famous okay and I'll tell you why. I love this movie. I love it. I love the whole entire 70s kind of vibe to it with the Rolling Stone magazine. Mm. The whole entire layout is just beautifully well done. I thought that it was a beautifully well done cast of the movie. The music at alone is a stand, it stands on its own. Elton John is my go-to for this uh, soundtrack. It's Tiny Dancer. When they're singing in that mm. bus with Tiny mm-hmm. Dancer, I have, matter of fact, I have chill bumps right now just talking about it because that's mm. how much of an impact it had on me on that film. Interesting. Uh, and and is there like a a particular scene and the soundtrack that goes with that scene that sticks out to you? Yeah, like when they're on the bus and they're going to their next gig, and that's actually at the point where the band is pretty much on their crossroads and everything, mm. and that the song is playing. And as the song is playing, they all start singing to the song of Tiny Dancer. It kind of uh, unites them for a little bit to where they're all getting along and everything after the events that actually happened with uh, Kirk. Because he, mm. he got wasted, he jumped into a swimming pool, and 
you know, there's just you can actually feel the tension on the bus, and then as the song is being played, the tension is kind of dampened a little bit because of the fact that they're actually singing and getting along. Hmm. It, it brings levity to to somewhat dark uh, situation, and I you see I don't really remember the music from that movie. I would have to rewatch it. Oh, I've watched this movie maybe every once a month. Maybe once a month, I go ahead and I put that movie on. If it's on hmm. Amazon or if it's on Directv, I'll go on ahead and I put in push the record button. I'll watch it. <laughs> nice. All right, uh, my number ten is um, the Dark Knight. Okay, that's actually perfect because that's actually my number four. Okay, so I'll, I'll skip on up. Uh, in that case, you mind if I do my number nine? Yeah, we can do All your right. number nine. All right. Uh, another Hans Zimmer. Uh, for me, uh, it's it, it feels very Hans Zimmer, but I find it's one of the best uh, Hans Zimmer um, soundtracks that really fits the visuals of the movie, and that would be Inception. Oh. You see, I was close to putting that on my list, but I didn't. Okay. But I'm glad, but I'm glad that you did. Yeah, because the, 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 all of the movie, the weirdness, but the realism of it, right? I I wouldn't have wanted to be Hans Zimmer trying to to to, to give a score to that movie because where do you go, right? right? How do you how do you represent this this visual of buildings folding onto each other and worlds within worlds within worlds? But the way he did it. Especially the dramatic moments, the moments of action. I remember, like uh, in the train scene, like at the very beginning, when uh, when they're trying to trap someone, those moments of tension feel so much more heightened because Hans Zimmer found a way to extract every emotion possible, and that's what he does best. I've watched his master classes. Um, you know, I've downloaded them for disclosures. I don't have enough money for that. But uh, I, I watched them A to Z, and he has this way of connecting to music that I, I don't see anywhere else. I agree with you, especially with the collapsing of the buildings falling and then this mm. world that he's, that's actually made. You can actually feel the energy of the characters feeling some sense of danger, even though they're in this dream world kind of sequence. Mm. And the scores that are that he just does is just phenomenal because I want, like you said, I want to be in that composing booth on how he was able to actually craft this thing mm. because it's just phenomenal the way he actually captures certain elements to certain movies. Yeah, exactly, and it, it, especially it, like it, how how do you balance right? And that's the same thing with the Dark Knight. How do you balance? Because there's there's scenes they're so information heavy, right? So sometimes you need music that won't distract you, but will still affect the scene and make it in a way that you know immerse you even more. Uh, compared to other movies, you know, certain soundtracks are there to to, to be there, but right. it, it's so complementary. Uh, I find that Nolan understands music. And Hans Zimmer understands emotion in music. And that's why they're the perfect pair together, personally. I agree with you on that, 110%. Is there a certain score that you actually picked out for the soundtrack? Or do you just like the soundtrack altogether? Um, I would ha- Give me a second. Uh, in that case, uh, I- I'm going to ask you a question while I search the titles. Because I-, I know a couple of the songs by, uh, like, by the titles. Uh, in that case, can you tell me what, who's your favorite character in the whole movie while I search? My favorite character would actually be jo- Jason Gordon, Joseph Gordon Lovett's character. Oh, sweet. Good choice. 
right? Because his character is just so great. It is so deep and everything. Not saying that all the other characters are not as deep or whatever. It's just that there's more a little bit of a mystery side as with Joseph Gordon's uh, Lovett's character mm. and everything that draws you into the movie even more. And as you're getting close, as you're actually identifying this character, as you're getting closer to this character and getting involved with it, Mm-hmm. And everything, everything is just pieced together beautifully with the way Christopher Nolan actually wrote that, wrote that film for that part for jo- Joseph Gordon Lovett, and then also too the scoring around him is great as well. Mm. Uh, you see, me would be Ben uh, Wanatabi's. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name. The 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 one that they try to implement the the dream into his head. The one who played in Batman Begins as uh, Raz Al Ghul. Oh, um, okay. You're talking I, about I, Liam Neeson. No, no, no. no, no, no. Uh, oh. he, he's um, he's Asian of uh, descent. Okay, okay. I know who you're talking about now. Okay, you said Raz al Ghul. I'm thinking of... No, no the decoy Raz al Ghul. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I got you. That dude. Okay. Yeah, I can't uh, pronounce that guy's name either. <laughs> but uh, but I always loved this performance. There's something so dramatic about his face, right? But he plays such an interesting, wiseful and yet very relatable because he, he he never asked to be in this you know right. he got forced into this and yet <laughs> he it, it he doesn't feel like a bad guy he doesn't feel like a good guy he he's just so beautiful written, written and a, a good way to push the for, uh, the story forward without feeling like it's being forced i agree with now, you now I, I do have an answer to your question uh it would be Probably the most known one, but I think the one that impacted me and they used it for one of the trailers, it, it, it's Time. For me, Time, mm. uh, which closes the movie as well, uh, is uh, such a good balance of something exciting, something very emotional, but sometimes certain parts are soft, but as emotional, right? right. Uh, so if you haven't uh, listened to a long time, the soundtrack, uh, you listeners, my recommendation for this will be Time. Time is definitely a good one because that was actually on, on my list. If I was actually to pick out Inception and put it on my list, time mm. was actually going to be on my list. Mm. But to go ahead and do something a little bit different, I'm going to go with Dream Collapsing. Okay. Because Dream is collapsing. All right. All right. Because of the dramatic effect to it, because of the world collapsing around every, all the characters and trying to wake up before this collapse actually happens. Mm. So, now, it. it it is a good one, and I think this uh, they're using their second trailer, if not, no. Yeah, it's in, actually in the second trailer. Okay, all right. I'm remembering. Okay, but so yes, yeah, it is. It's one with the horns, right? Yeah, it's the one with the horns. Okay, yeah. You see, the the no uh, Hans Zimmer started a trend. Like you, you see it pop up in a lot more trailers after he used it. Like I remember Godzilla used the uh, used that those horns. There's something so visceral about that sound. Most definitely. There is some, definitely something uh visceral about it and everything and ominous and mm. just draws you into that whole entire movie in itself. Yeah. You know. So um all right, so what's your number 9? My number 9 would be Baby Driver. Okay, yeah. Uh, okay, you see I only seen it once and I liked it, but it didn't stick 100%. But I completely understand uh, the relationship to music and movie to that uh, is like blood and, and heartbeat, right? Uh, it goes together. So, yeah, I, I get it. Most definitely. And the originality that he actually chose, um, when I say he, I mean the director, which is Edgar Wright, 
the way he actually places the music in certain scenes is perfectly mm-hmm. well. Like I said, it's crafted beautifully. Mm. And also, too, the way that he glues you into it, it's like he's telling a story with this character. Especially whenever you see the words implanted on the cement and everything at the very beginning when Baby is trying to hide from the cops. Mm-hmm. And everything too. I thought that was actually pretty funny. That was a little fun nod to the song, and also for Baby trying to hide out and everything. I love that. I love the car chase. Matter of fact, I actually bought the soundtrack before I saw the movie. Okay. Because of the fact that I like before I even watch the movie, I like to actually have fun with it and try and place certain songs where I think that the song will actually be played out in a certain scene in the movie. All right. Yeah, it's but again, it, it plays out. It fits perfectly. Mm-hmm. Like you, it was so perfectly created. The that movie, uh, the, the, the 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 there's nothing that felt out of place. Right. Right. Everything was so well connected and so well thought out that it, it was seamless. So sometimes certain songs just pop out because they don't work unless you're Quentin Tarantino and you can put rap music in a Western, you know? Right, exactly. <laughs> but else than that, like, sometimes it sticks out. In that movie, it, it feels like a whole, like a, a complete thing. It never sticks out bad or, or just weird. No, not at all. As a matter of fact, it actually adds to the movie yeah. rather than something that... Matter of fact, the music sounds like that it's a character rather than something that's actually temporary Agreed. or secondary. Agreed. And the opening scene alone with bell bottoms was probably my favorite scene on that whole entire movie, though, too. Especially at during the at the very beginning, you see Baby, he's in the car, and <laughs> you see John Bernthal and all the rest of the cast going into the bank, and mm. he's over there just singing to bell bottoms, and he's melting the words to bell bottoms. And when the guitars rip up, that's when the drama inside the bank actually happens. Nice. And next thing you know it, they're taking off, they're on high speed yeah. chase. It is just awesome. Yeah, and I, I yeah, it's just uh I, I don't know how he did it, you know. It, it could have been so cheesy so fast, right? Definitely. It could have been very cheesy, like nineties kind of uh cheesy with the way music is actually placed back then. It also helps you, you, it, the movie's perfectly casted. There's like not one performance like, yeah, really? Why did you cast them? You know, uh, it, it just it, it just fits so well. Especially Kevin Spacey being in the movie and everything too. Because <laughs> he plays such an asshole, but he does such a great job at playing that character. Well, we know why. Exactly, we know exactly why. Because he is. He is exactly an asshole. But you know, I mean, I can actually put that stuff aside a little bit and watch the mm. movie still even though it's, it's still tainted a little bit for me but mm. I'll, I'll still watch it because he's not the center exactly it's always about baby so mm. i can always watch that film and i also bought that on blu-ray um nice. another another song that i actually sticks out for me and this because i actually have two songs i have hocus pocus by hocus pocus okay and the, the whole drop, no pun intended, but the drive in that song in itself will energize you. It will make you feel like you're on a high-speed chase. It makes you want to drive fast. Mm. Yeah, it's... I, I I would have to... I, you know what? You're going to have to send me a list of a uh, of, um, couple of the songs. Probably there's things that I recognize 
but at the same time, I would have to re-listen. But you, you made me want to re-listen to it, that's for sure. Okay. I'll definitely give you a <laughs> list of the songs off of that after we get off. All right. Uh, all right. So my next one, that would be number eight. Uh, all right. So very underwhelming movie. Uh, some would say terrible. I would just say boring. But the soundtrack, in my opinion, blew my mind when I first saw the movie. Blew my mind when I bought the, the disc and still blows my mind. Uh, it's such it's such a masterpiece that doesn't get talking enough, I find, in the music aspect. And this is Tron Legacy. Oh, dude. I actually had two versions of the Tron Legacy trap soundtrack. I had the remixes and I also had the original one. Yeah, it's I, I've listened to the, the remix one, but I also uh, I bought the original. And there's something so classy about Daft Punk in that movie. You know, they, they could have went pop, right? But they really went into electronic classical music right. and with moments that are not poppy but are, are, are catchy enough but fits the tone of the movie. And I don't get why Daft Punk doesn't do more soundtracks. They definitely should. Uh, if they do, I'm not aware of it. And I definitely have to uh, listen to it. But if they don't, they definitely have to dive their hands into more projects like that. Because that was unique. And for me, that made the movie. That's the only saving grace of the movie, personally, Same. was the music. Oh, I agree with you on that, too. Because of the fact that I thought the soundtrack was really good. But the movie was a complete letdown. But. Yeah. But it goes to show you, for that world of Tron, it was perfect for Daft Punk to be adapted into that uh, universe. But and, and you, you know, uh, like if everybody didn't make another movie, who I, um, what movie I see them do would be another Blade Runner. I could see that, or I could see Matrix as well. Oh, oh good call. Thanks. Oh yeah, that good call. Uh, yeah, because it, it, Matrix. Um, does it wasn't my best soundtracks, but there's one artist I discovered from Matrix, and that's Rob D or Rob Dugan. Uh, mm-hmm. He he does not, he do, he's the one that does a Club to Death uh, song for one of the scenes, and I love that classical electronic aspect of it. There's even a part of the uh, of the song that just dies down in anything electronic and goes into a piano solo. And then goes back to this like trip hop ish um, electronic music. And for me, that blew my mind the first time I heard it because the first time I, I heard a combination of classical and electronic. So by putting Daft Punk as an idea for the Matrix would make so much sense. Oh, most definitely. Like I, I always put Daft Punk in a sci fi kind of world. Mm. And it's not doesn't have anything to do with a Tron or anything like that. It's just if you listen to their music in general, it has mm. a very good sci-fi kind of vibe to it, to where they can actually be adapted into it. Oh, yeah, for sure, because they, 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 they too understand emotion. They understand pop and everything, but with this movie, they understand how to do something very simplistic, right? Electron, uh, electronic soundtrack doesn't have, always have to be, um, you know, poppy or doesn't have to be weird. It has to be ear-catching and fitting uh a, one simple emotion, not going too crazy. Uh, and Daft Punk just do it perfectly. Most definitely. And is there a uh, a song that actually sticks out for you for this? Um... Yeah, two of them. I, I still can't... Uh, I, I don't know which one I prefer more, uh, but we, it would be End of the Line and uh, and uh, The Razor. 
Okay. You? Uh, it's been a while since I actually listened to the soundtrack, so I would have to do a re-listen. So you might actually have to send me a list <laughs> <laughs> as well. So all right. So I definitely like your taste, though, man. I definitely do. Um, let's see here for number for my number eight. I got Reservoir Dogs. Oh, I wanted to put. I'm so happy. This is a reverse. <laughs> I'm so happy you put on uh, on the list because I was debating on it. The FYI. Uh, when I did the original like rough draft, I had a rough rough draft. Sorry, I had twenty five movies around on that list. I had to cut down to ten, and that was one of them. I was really debating on should I put it or should I not put it. At the end of the day, I like it, but I realized it's my top ten are the ones that I always go to listen on YouTube or you know listen right. to the soundtrack back and back. As much as I love Birds for Dogs and the music fits. I never revisited it that many times, so it didn't make my list. I understand. And the song that sticks out, sticks out to me is Stuck in the Middle with You, which is the mm. opening song of Reservoir Dogs. Mm. Because I'll tell you why in a minute. Um, because of the fact that you're stuck in this one room with, this char- with these characters. So it mm. actually does feel like you're stuck in the middle with them. Yeah, but it's Quentin Tarantino has a has a funny sense of humor when it comes to songs. Sometimes it's just the the paradoxical shift of does not fit, but it fits. And sometimes just the literal meaning of the song fits the literal meaning of the scene. <laughs> exactly. And I just love this movie, especially whenever you have Mr. Gray. Everybody's in code mm. names, mm. and not only that, but if you're if you miss out on 30, 20, 30 minutes of this film, you're gonna be lost. Because you're not sure where this is going. Mm. Because that happened to me quite a few times with this film. And I have to realize that it's actually flashbacks before yeah. the events. Yeah. And once I saw it in this whole context, I'm like, okay, now it makes sense to me on why these guys are injured. Why they have one person suffering from a bullet wound. Why are they always, why they're agitated with each other and mm. everything. So once I saw it in this whole context. I ran full force with this, and I wound up loving this Quentin Tarantino film. Yeah, I remember watching it for the first time. I was with uh, my, uh, I was with a buddy of mine. He just moved to his new apartment, and I crashed his apartment for a week. And we rented the movie, and like we knew of Quentin Tarantino, especially like Kill Bill and stuff. So we're like, yeah, this guy be sick. And then I realized this is a very minimalistic movie, and I I wasn't sure if I liked it. Revisited it again and realized. This is just a masterpiece. And one of the reasons was the music. Uh, I can't remember the name of a specific song, but it's the scene that where the cop gets his ear cut off. Oh, I know the scene that you're talking about. It's- yeah. It, there's something so joyful and wrong putting that song into <laughs> that, that kind of scene. And uh, again, Quentin Tarantino, you're a genius. Uh, he has uh, his brain waves work a whole different way, other way than other people when it comes to music and soundtracks. Uh, I remember him uh, in one of the interviews, um, like going to a store, hearing a song and him, apparently, if he doesn't write it down right away or it has a way to get a note or a copy of, of the song, he forgets it most of the time. So he actually went, he was in Japan and went to the store and loved the song so much. Uh, one of the songs for Kill Bill uh, that he bought the CD that the, the clerk was uh, was listening because they didn't have a paper pen to give him. So he just write out, uh, bought out the CD that they were listening to just to remember the song to put in the movie. So that man, 
he goes by instinct and he just knows where he's going with the movie and the songs, even though, you know, it might seem odd to other people. Right. And not only that, but he also goes through his uh, record collection, though, too. He'll go through mm. his finals and mm. pick out each song and everything. Like, that's what he did with Django and everything, where he just wound up getting some vinyls out and everything and just started writing down songs that he wanted for the film. Hmm. I wonder if he watches the movie and he plays the music in the background while he watches the movie and then he selects or he just goes, hey, that would fit the scene while he, he watches the movie. I wouldn't be surprised if he does that, though, to be honest with you, especially hmm. whenever you're editing a film or whatever. I'm, I'm sure that he does probably play it on mute or something. It, I, I would love to see a, a Masterworks of, of like filmmaking and music with Quentin Tarantino because he must have some weird methods of... He must have like found ways that you know are proper to him on how to make a movie and how to make decisions. I would love to pick his brain. Same here. I would like to. You know what? I would actually watch a documentary series just on him, doing that. <laughs> or just a documentary oh. in general. <laughs> or, or make a make a biopic one day of the guy because oh, there yeah. was some controversy, <laughs> there was some ups and uh, downs. He's such a an interesting character. Uh, will he ever allow it or will happen after he, he dies and you know his estate says you're okay? I don't know what, but that being said, he's such a unique character that a biopic is, is definitely needed one day. Most definitely, a biopic is definitely something that we need. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right, so uh, on my end, number seven, uh, that movie, like on its own, is such a an ambitious endeavor and it was clever it was emotional and it was russell crowe at his peak personally and that would be gladiator uh let's see i haven't seen that one you've never seen gladiator all right oh gladi- okay gladiator okay i thought you said se- lucky number seven or something like that i'm so sorry i thought you no. said gladiator yeah i've seen gladiator are you not entertained? Yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen Gladiator. Hey, man, the, the, the music is so... It, there's really beautiful moments, you know, and there's very haunting moments. And, it, like, the scene that his family dies, you know, there's, like, angelic voices, and uh, there's a quality in that in, in that music that really fits the era, but doesn't sound cheesy. It doesn't sound like it's trying too hard or generic because you know you're doing a, a gladiator movie if you listen to the old gladiator movies of, of the past the movie is good but usually the music is it's, it isn't really fit or it's very stereotypical right uh when it comes to historical movies so to nail perfectly there's only a few handful personally of historical movies that actually make sense soundtrack wise and for me that would be gladiator braveheart and the patriot Oh, I'm glad that you mentioned The Patriot as well, because that was such a good score and soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And Glad- Gladiator is just a phenomenal movie. And like you said before, just the way that he was, just the way that they actually captured that whole entire thing with Russell Crowe as well. In the, and not only that, but also brings tears to your eyes mm-hmm. and seeing the characters and seeing what he went through, his character arc with the music is just moving and powerful. Yeah, and like the music's heartbreaking because the movie's heartbreaking as well, right? Uh, it really ties into those, like you said, those emotions that make you cry. And like you, I listen to the soundtrack and I can like, there's flashes of the scenes, right? That pop up. Uh, there's, it's, 
it, it just it personally it should have been higher on my list but there's there's a couple of things i, I the, the the rest of my list is less about the quality of the music and more like personal touch but i had to put gladiator somewhere anyways uh, but for me, symphonically, it's one of the best when it comes to like the old school symphonics, like no electronic or no electronic like manipulation, like Hans Zimmer, right? Or um, or uh, Daft Punk, the real traditional orchestra for me is one of the best. Most definitely, man. Most definitely, that that movie is just fantastic, and the score is great. Uh, what about your number seven? I'm gonna put Rocket Man on mine. Which one? Rocket Man. And, I've I haven't seen it yet. Dude, it's it's so good. I'm glad that I actually saw it on Amazon Prime, I believe, or Hulu. Okay. But I'm glad that I got a chance to see it. And I'm gonna be honest with you, this movie is really good. Um, it doesn't start on a happy note like you think that it's gonna start at start on. It actually starts off with Elton John in AA meeting, hmm. dressed in his concert clothes, hmm. as a chicken or something like that. And and he's telling the story of his life in AA, and he's using it as singing. And I think the song is called The Bitch Came Back or something like that, or The Bitch Is Back. And he's telling his story as it, with singing, and then he's also telling it in a flashback point as a kid mm. and everything that he's been through. And it is a great film. I really like this film. And of course, I also like Elton John music as well. Mm. If you haven't noticed with Tiny Dancer. Yeah. (laughs) But I have two songs that stood out for me on this. And that is I'm Still Standing and Crocodile Rock. And the reason why I chose I'm Still Standing is because of the fact that, you know, we all go through struggles of life and ups and downs and stuff like that and you know we're always being judged for something you know Mm. it may not be for being gay or anything like that it may be for something different and it doesn't matter what life throws at you you're still there you're still standing on top of everything Mm -hmm. everything that life throws at you you're still standing and you're still there and Mm. that's why i have i'm still standing and Crocodile Rock is just one of those fun songs where you can mm. just have fun with it yeah, and dance and just have a great time. That's why I chose Crocodile Rock. Although I like Benny and the Jets too, but I like Crocodile Rock though. See, I, I miss out on Elton John. I, I know a couple of songs. I like it, but and I love classic rock. It just It's not something that my dad listened to a lot, so it never really, really like stick with me. Um me was a lot, of, a lot more Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, mm. uh, Queen, especially Queen. Um, but yeah, I would, I, I have heard mixed things about the movies. It's either you love it, you hate it, apparently, and uh, that kind of turned me off. But uh, th- in that case, is it is the acting on par with the 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 music? I love the acting. The acting is really good. As a matter of fact. I don't know if you remember Christian Harloff talking about this, but they were actually thinking about putting Rami Malek in this Elton John movie as a cameo appearance for Freddie Mercury. Oh, okay. That's I, yeah, I would like to see that because that's in that same era. Hmm. And I would actually eat that up because I like Freddie Mercury. I love Queen. I grew up on Elton John music. I grew up on Freddie Mercury music. 
mm. and everything. And for them to with them to put that in there, I would love to see that. But if you're this movie will actually grab on your heartstrings. This movie will make you cry. This movie will make you laugh. Mm. It's also about trying to fit into a world that doesn't accept you. It also is about relationships, friendships, all the above. All right. And the acting is really good. All right, but you that case, yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to take a look. I don't have it on Amazon Prime, so I'm gonna have to find a way. But uh, okay, I think, it might uh, be on, I think it might be on Hulu, though. If I'm not mistaken, I'll have to look at it. If it's on Hulu, I'll let you know. Uh, we don't have Hulu in Canada, so oh, dang, man. I'm sorry, <laughs> it's all good. Okay, all right, so my number six, okay, this movie was so a dark poetry of descent into hell. Um, and this music catches it so properly, and it's also a good um, demonstration of you can have a song-based soundtrack coexist perfectly with a orchestrated uh, type uh, soundtrack, uh, and that would be Joker. Oh, okay, you're you're definitely getting out my Joker card right now because that's making me fanboy. Okay, tell me what you loved about that. Oh, yeah, but two things. Like, the copywritten music, like the music that already existed, fits so perfectly, even though it shouldn't. Some odd reason, you know, I don't know how the director came to the idea of putting <laughs> With the, the going down the stairs, right, and him celebrating right before he goes in the subway scene with the two cops, it is so odd, and yet it would work in the Joker's brain. It's like it—I don't know. It just something grabbed me with that song and that scene in particular. And the other one is at this point, I'm saying the balance is the cello, the 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 character uh, theme. The cello is so haunting. So twisted and grabs you, but you feel sympathy at the same time. Like um, an example of that is the scene that he just murdered those three guys in the subway station and he hides himself in a bathroom. He starts dancing this weird dance. I mean, with the wrong music, it could be completely off. And yet they were, it was so in sync. It I agree. So in sync, and it was so sad and scary at the same time. And almost innocent, like it's. I can't describe how that music felt because it was all over the place. As Joker is, right. he's all over the place. So it, it was just brilliant. Most definitely, and that scene that you were talking about, how it's like dark and twisted, and then you have that classic rock song that's playing as he's going down the stairs. Mm-hmm. It's just, like you said, it's perfect because. I'm thinking like this. I'm thinking as him thinking that people are cheering him on as he goes as he's going down the stairs for what he's about to do. Mm. You know, it's like not, and then somebody claps their hands. And also, I like the orchestra part of it. the The theme of it, it it was really good. Yeah, and uh, she she won the person who who did the music won uh, Academy Award. It's her first nomination and and win right. Uh, it, and I remember her speech saying that, you know, she needed to find the song that uh, connected with the music, the, the emotion she felt when she watched the scenes and was very hard to pinpoint until she got that cello part. And it, it's true. It's it's hypnotizing. As it's like the performance was hypnotizing 
without that music, uh, I love uh, working Phoenix, but mm. you needed something dark to complement his darkness as well, uh, but not be scary because that Joker. Uh, yes, he's a scary character. He can kill you anytime, but he's not a maniac like in the comic books, right? Right. He's not as erratic, but there's something so unstable that he still aerates something creepy about him. Most definitely. And also, too, I felt like the music also told the story from day to day. Like, mm. the slow process of him transitioning into the Joker. Yeah. I felt like that day, it's not like one of those quick pacing type of scores or anything like that it felt like it was as he's going through this whole entire transformation day by day i feel like mm. the music and the scoring is going along with him from day to day mm. in that kind of way yeah it really there, there is a but it's his own character right that music's right. really his own character and evolved with the character and it just that and also the the, the music in the last scene while where people are putting him on the car which got just just got hit uh, by someone trying to save him, right? right? And he's like smiling in crowd with blood on his face, and that music, that the, that power in that scene, let alone, but also complimented with the music, it just gives me chills right now. I don't blame you. I, that would actually creep me out as well, especially whenever he smears the blood on his face. Oh, uh, it's just it, it's <laughs> it's it's a perfect movie. I, I understand the controversy, but. Bravo to Warner Bros. to take mm-hmm. a chance on this movie. And bravo to giving a chance something like, okay, well, we need a Hans Zimmer, you know, or we need a big name. No, no, we need the, a person that understands the emotion and not going just for what works. Right. And I like the fact it's not one of those paint-by-the-numbers kind of scoring, like you mentioned. They could have easily went with Hans Zimmer, but the whole fact that they actually chose somebody else over Hans Zimmer, kudos mm. for them. Kudos, kudos for, for them. I give them the biggest props for that. Yeah. So what's your number six, my, my John? Okay, so my number six would be Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. Alright, that's respectable. It doesn't my 25 too, but yeah. I wasn't that much of a 70s type of uh, of music, and there's a lot of music I discovered because of the soundtrack, but it's a solid soundtrack. Most definitely, and I grew up with 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s music, and even some of today's music, though, too. Mm. So I grew up with all kinds of different uh, music. Hmm. But for me, with Guardians of the Galaxy, I have to go with Hooked on a Feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, obviously. And the reason why, it's just a fun go-to song where you can be in the car just being happy and just singing the lawn to you, something that's actually fun. And, and that song is so cuckoo, but it, it fits the cuckoo madness of the movie itself. I mean, it's, it, it's I don't know, it just, it, yeah, it fits. And you would think, like, you'd think uh, Guardian of the Galaxy... Uh, it would be a sci-fi track, right? It would be so easy to go, okay, let's go with sci-fi. Let's do something, you know, a track that, you know, goes very orchestra, but has sci-fi elements, electronic elements. No, he went for a 70s like, type playlist and did it on the cover of the soundtrack, at a, an 8-track type, you know? It, it was just so well thought out, and it really shows that music is a big part of this movie. It's probably the most music-driven uh, movie in comics, personally. Most definitely. Uh, comic, book, comic book movies, I mean. Most definitely. It's definitely a fun vibe, especially with James Gunn having that kookiness to it and having that soundtrack to it. Yeah. It brings out that kookiness, that flavor to that film, and it actually tells the story of Star-Lord through the music. Mm. So. Right. So, 
So what do you have on yours? Uh, on my number five, uh, I'm not sure if you've seen this movie. Uh, it's well known enough uh, in the U.S. Certain people might be listening to this, might know this. Uh, it would be Amélie. What is it? Amélie. It's a French movie from France. Oh, okay. With, uh, I haven't seen that. Audrey Totu, no? No. All right. Um, there's something so adorable, so cute about the movie. Uh, but it's a very interesting. It's not just made like for cuteness, right? There's a good, interesting um, soundtrack. But the man who composed the song is, you know, he doesn't always do like soundtracks. He's a composer. Uh, and his name is Jan Tersen. And he he's a, if he goes to live shows, he's a one-man show. Uh, he can play like five different instruments at the same time. And uh, he really plays with non-traditional um, instruments. And it makes for such a weird, kooky, but very French soundtrack that I've never heard anywhere else but from Yann Sersen. And it fits the movie perfectly. It fits the tone perfectly. And it it's a major standout, personally. Okay. Especially if you love piano. Exactly. So uh, that I can actually get that vibe from what you were saying and everything with the piano bit and everything too, because you know I think that will actually add something to it. All right. Well, that case definitely. I'll send you a song um, for. I mean, there's one you might know the song. You just might have never realized it's from that movie. Okay. If you don't know the song, well, you're welcome. I just discovered you a masterpiece in my opinion. Okay. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's worth a watch as well. Uh, it's it's pretty known in the English world. I think you might even have it on Netflix. I've seen it a little while back. Okay, I'll definitely give it a shot uh, and everything. Just go on and shoot me that song and everything i'll check it out all right sounds good what's your your number five sir so my number five is another quentin tarantino movie aha and it's once upon a time in hollywood i haven't seen it yet it is so good it is it's really good even though there's mixed reviews on it some people didn't like it some people liked it, it some people call it quentin tarantino's uh weakest movie out of the movie setting film and directed mm. and wrote but I thought it was pretty good. I mean, yeah, it's a slow-pacing film and everything. It is an Elseworld kind of story whenever you're dealing with the events that happen with the Manson family and things like that. Mm-hmm. But the chemistry between Leonardo DiCaprio and also Brad Pitt was just really good. Mm. And also, too, you're glued into the music and everything. It feels like the music is actually a character rather than uh, something that's actually just secondary. And the song that I actually chose was Neil Diamond's song, and that is Brother Love's uh, Salvation Show. Mm. And the placement for it was just funny. It was really good and perfectly well balanced, as always, when it comes down to Tarantino films. And if you're looking for a good when Tarantino film, check out Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, yeah, and you see, I, I I don't doubt because Tarantino is the ultimate curator. Uh, it's he's a curator for his own movies, but he he's brilliant in his song choices. Uh, I was I, I was skeptic. It's funny, huh? I've never f- finished or seen completely Hateful Eight. Since Hateful Eight, something about his latest like two movies don't interest me. You see, I watched the Hateful Eight in theaters. And everything, and I'll have to admit, the Hateful Eight wasn't as great as I wanted it to be, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But it was an okay movie. I was like, okay, yeah, I can, I can live through seeing that once or maybe twice, and that's it. 
wasn't one of those movies that I could actually go out and buy. Mm. You see, but he's, he's, I have a problem with Quentino and his slower movies, except for uh, Reservoir Dogs. I like the Kill Bills. I like the Django Unchained. I like him when he's off his rockers, you know? Right. I like him less when he's, he takes his time, like, uh, with um, which, uh, uh, Pam Greer. Um, the, the, the one, I think, before Reservoir Dogs. Uh, I know which one you're talking about. Pulp Fiction? No, 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 no. Pam Greer. Um, uh, the lead is a woman. Oh, oh, I, I can see it in my Jackie head. Brown. Jackie Brown. Yeah, Jackie Brown was good. I didn't like Jackie Brown. You didn't? Nah, because yes, there was action, but it took too much of time. I find it like I find it boring after a while. I can see that because of the setup that they actually have to do with Jackie Brown and everything yeah. else. I can definitely see that. But it was a good nod to black exploitation. And uh, the music, I think, was good. But you see, uh, for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, I think just for the soundtrack alone, I think it was going to probably deserve for me to watch it because I've always been a fan. Whatever movie he does, though, even though I might not like the movie uh, all the time, his music is always impeccable. So that I'm definitely going to have to check it out just for that aspect alone. Definitely. You're definitely going to have to check that out. <laughs> all right. So uh, my number four... All right, I had to dig deep. I mean, dig deep into my memories. But once it, it this movie popped in my head, it's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I have to, oh I have to put this movie in. Uh, it's something I rewatch, re-listen to so many times, and probably gonna have to rewatch it soon. Uh, it is the perfect blend of. Uh, I'm sorry for the, uh, the swearing. What the fuck? <laughs> why are you putting this music? And why is everyone singing when, like, in a period that should not be singing it? It's a Knight's Tale. Oh, that movie is good. It's almost the soundtrack, and yeah, I agree. It, <laughs> it like it shouldn't work. It's like it, like there's no explanation why why medieval people know Queen. We will rock you, you know. <laughs> and yet you get into it, and it becomes such a part of the movie. It's almost it almost feels like a musical without being a musical. Exactly, and the placement for each song is really good, though. Too, and it comes off as cheesy in some aspect or whatever. I love it. I love it so much. I'm going to be honest with you. I love this film. It was so good and everything, you know? Because in the trailer, I'm like, okay, I'm wondering if they're actually going to still keep that. And they did. And I'm glad that they actually kept it. Because I thought it actually added to the film. Despite the cheesiness of it and everything that some people didn't like or whatever. But I love the cheesiness of it. Yeah, because the cheesiness wasn't unbearable. It was... It, it fit the movie, it fit the tone, but there was real stakes, and the the characters were interesting. Heat Ledger is a genius, be it like a teen rom com or you know a historical comedy. He always brought something interesting to his roles, uh, and I just find that you know every character was well written. I forgot the the, the bard, the one that like that uh, that has a gambling problem and like. Always find himself naked. <laughs> oh, I know the one you're talking about, the uh, redhead. The, yeah, the, the guy the, from uh, Serenity in the Firefly. Yeah. yeah. Alec, uh, Alec uh, the one who did also Rogue One, the robot's voice. I, Tulek? I, yeah, I, I love, I love that, I love that actor and everything. He is just great. Yeah, but I was, um, 
No, I, I'm I'm thinking. Oh, wow, wow, this is why you don't smoke a blunt before doing a podcast. <laughs> I was thinking about the the actor who does uh, Vision. Okay, yeah, it's Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany, yeah, he's the the bard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Whenever he wakes up naked and everything and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just funny. I mean, it's just an all round fun movie. It's perfectly well crafted and energized too. So, what's your number four? Number four, I've got Batman: The Dark Knight. All right. So yeah, true. Uh, it, so yeah, let's talk about it. Um, go. Actually, I want to. I want to know. Um, do you find it's too similar to Batman Begins, or do you find it has it its own? Um, its own uh, personality. I find that it has its own personality. I just found that found that it was just a continuation, and you actually feel like it's a continuation of where mm-hmm. we, we were with Batman Begins. It's just a follow up, mm-hmm. and it just feels like it's actually maybe a year later of him being Batman. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, or maybe a couple of years after him being Batman, and then Joker get he's going after Joker. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like it's it's definitely its own identity. Yeah, because Joker's theme is so. He, again, we're talking about he, he Ledger. You needed something brilliant to go with uh, a brilliant performance. Anything less would diminish his role so much, right? Right. So that's a lot of pressure on Hans Zimmer to to really craft something that feels you've never heard it before, especially associated with the Joker, right? Uh, I remember in you know, and as much as I love the original Tim Burton movie like there's a couple of things for me like that didn't work uh, like certain sounds like prints for me is just like no <laughs> right feel joker i understand where we're going for the afraid it was too dark but that's what actually was good about the movie uh and it kind of was off-putting right right so for me when i first heard that uh, the the main theme of, uh, of joker it felt so familiar but at the same time so refreshing and so menacing Definitely. And then I believe that they actually use like some kind of piano keys for the screeching sounds or something mm-hmm. like that. That mm-hmm. made it even more dark and ominous with it. Especially the part where he says, wait until you get a load of me or something like that. And there's that mm-hmm. screeching sound. And then he has that laugh. Mm-hmm. That, no, I, mm. Yeah. But the, the night, the dark night uh, song that I actually chose was the aggressive expansion. And that's when he's in the Batmobile and he's actually trying to take down the Joker and fighting the Joker and the way he it, it plays out and whenever he punches the Joker, it actually you can actually feel the score going through Batman's hand. Yeah. If it, it feels alive. It does. It really does. It does feel like it's actually alive. And it, all, from the pages to the character, it really does feel like it's it's alive, its own entity and everything. And it just takes off. It doesn't slow down. Aggressive mm. expansion is always going to be my favorite Batman The Dark Knight score for the movie. Mm. As a matter of fact, on Halloween, I dressed up like Batman and I went to McDonald's and actually ordered in my Batman mask <laughs> with the aggressive. <laughs> oh, yeah, I actually did the aggressive expansion. Oh God! And I did the uh, I did the uh, Batman graspy voice over the over the thing, <laughs> and I actually had the person at McDonald's fanboy over the fact that I actually dressed up like Batman. Oh, wow. At that time, I drove a Ford Focus, so I was like, look, I'm the more poor Bruce Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, 
But yeah, for uh, one standout scene, it's and again the the, the revolving sound is always a that that I, I I can't sing or do sounds for shit. But it, <laughs> I tried, people. I failed. Move on. <laughs> All right. It's the scene of uh, him in his Batmobile, and uh, the Joker uh, gets out a rocket launcher. Oh, I know the scene you're talking the, about. The urgency of the of the soundtrack. It, it, it's something so about like there's such a live wire about it. It it crept up. It wasn't creepy. Like compared to Joker, Joker was all about the darkness and the despair. This was about all chaotic energy and how you know it. The the music almost always rotated upon itself. It was very circular. Right. Uh, the, the 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 motion of the of the like violins and cellos and everything was very circular. And it was just a pure brilliant, uh, personally, um, soundtrack. Still prefer, like, as you can see in my list, I still prefer Joker, maybe because it's newer, but I can definitely um, agree that it belongs on the top 10. Most definitely. And also, too, I just want to mention this, though, too. You were mentioning that scene with the rocket launcher and everything. I just feel like there's, like, a quickness to that whole entire thing with the chaos that's within Joker. Though, too. Mm. That mm-hmm. actually added to that scene. Yeah, it really did. So. All right. Uh, so my number three. Um, this movie marked me. This movie is probably um, one of my most rewatchable movies. And the music, he doesn't always compose. He, he, he does a lot of his own uh, music and sometimes composes. But... I just talked about uh, the Dark Knight. Something about being circular. There's something about Truman shows. Oh, okay. Uh, the Truman shows uh, soundtrack that just haunts me, especially the scene uh, that it, in the water at the end where he's trying to confront the waves and the creator's trying to drown him. And it, there's the piano. It, it's rotating always, and it. It feels like you're you're stuck right with him and emotional, and you feel so much sympathy for the character. And in the other scenes, like the more funny scenes, there's something still so damp about the music that it's not just happy, happy. You know, there, there's a lot of layers to um, to, to uh, Philip Glass's music, um, and it's odd. Uh, I would recommend the last song, uh, the like the last scene music. I would actually recommend, if you're curious, not necessarily a song from the uh, from the movie, but from one of his albums called Glass. Uh, so Philip uh, Philip Glass, titled Glass. It is wonderful. It's uh, a mix, a lot more piano, but it's so hypnotizing, and as well, it brings you to a lot of places. Okay, I'm definitely gonna have to give that a shot. You're gonna have to send me a. And it's funny. I, I remember watching on YouTube. It's actually Serge Tankian, so the 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 singer of System of a Down, uh, one of his influences. Oh, that is so awesome because I love Serge Tankian, especially his his, his uh, solo music when he uses a lot of like the the uh, the piano. You're right. You can see he's very influenced by by Philip Glass, and it's it was one of his picks when he was picking out like records. I think it was Amoeba uh, on YouTube. Where they have like uh, these uh, uh, well-known uh, guests that choose uh, and buy CDs and movies and stuff, and he he went on a long time about Philip Glass, how 
you know something about his his quality of and sensibility to um to emotion that just is very unique to him most definitely i can actually see why you actually picked that and everything and i also thought too whenever the, the director is actually trying to drown truman i actually felt a sense of danger with truman that he was yeah. in danger so yeah that was actually something that was captivating to me with that soundtrack that you mentioned. And again, I know it's like some people are like really Truman Show. Uh, it's I'm not picking the like the best made uh, soundtrack for me. It's the ones that touch me the most. Uh, and something so so clean and beautiful about that music that I had to put in my top to me. All right, and I like the Truman Show. I just want to go on record and say that too. I do mm. like the Truman Show. Best Jim Carrey performance, in my opinion, Most, or my favorite. It actually shows that he actually had the dramatic chops before even doing the number twenty-three. If you think and about still it. still retain a, a humor in his own his own style without going too much over the envelope, right? Right. It, it kind of felt me like that's probably the the seriousness, and then sometimes the stupid jokes from time to time, or when he's all alone. It felt like the real Jim Carrey, how he probably would be in real life, you know? Most definitely. Most definitely. So, uh, for my number Yeah, you're number three? Yeah. My number three is another DC movie. All right. It's a Hans Zimmer score. All right. And that's going to be a Man of Steel. Yes. All right. And I don't know how that slipped on my radar. Good catch. Thank you. Because I was like, I was going through there. I was thinking of Truman Show. I was thinking of other stuff. Then I'm like, you know what? The song that I actually, the soundtrack I go through the, to the most, especially if I listen to it during my morning time, because it has a, now if you think about the Superman theme song, it has a kind of uh, quietness to it and everything, which mm. is a calm level of calm, calmness to that whole entire song, to that score. Mm. And it just puts you in a good mood whenever you're wanting to go for a drive. It's very ins- inspiring music. It's very like music of the gods, right? Right. Uh, they really captured and and extracted the 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 core elements of what Superman is without disrespecting the original classic score, right? Um, the original Superman the movie, nineteen seventy eight, I think, uh, is yep. such an iconic uh, sound. So how do you differentiate yourself and still make an interesting theme song or soundtrack without saying like, yeah, why didn't they just try to do bef- like before? That w- that was perfect, right? right? So it it was a daunting task for Hans Zimmer. But again, he writes that man understands how to connect a song to right. a song. It's ridiculous. Right, exactly. And it's also about the universe that Zack Snyder wanted to tell. And he didn't want to do a rehash of the Christopher Reeves thing, so it made sense to actually go with something different. Yeah. And, you know, they actually tried doing that with the Justice League movie with adding the Superman theme song mixed in with the original Batman theme song. Mm. And to me, it just didn't match up with that universe. I liked, I loved hearing it in there, but it just didn't go with the universe that Zack Snyder was trying to create. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's just... Uh... Warner Bros. and, and their stupid decisions. Anyways. Right. <laughs> but with this, the slowness of it, and then it just builds and builds and mm. builds. And it's mm. moving. It It is, like you said, one of those things of the gods. It understood who Superman was. Or mm-hmm. 
All right. Um, so uh, I'm going to go to my number two. Uh, I don't expect anyone to know this movie. And if you do, I congratulate you. You're in a minority of movie snobs. <laughs> uh, this is actually uh, a movie I actually geek out a lot with Whitney Seibold. Uh, we geeked out so much. If you don't know who Whitney, Whitney Seibold is, he's a competitor of Schmodown uh, and a movie um, connoisseur. You know, he, he has very eccentric taste. And we geeked out on this movie so much, we actually did an episode of The Frenchie Watches Together about this movie, and it's called Beyond the Black Rainbow. I haven't heard of that one. Oh, it's an obscure Canadian from Vancouver movie that, you know, you can probably find somewhere, but good luck to you. Um, I'll send you a trailer. Uh, You might understand uh, why we find this uh, movie so interesting. It's not a typical point a point b point c movie there's no like three acts the whole movie is a metaphor there's a lot of imagery there's a lot of it makes you think there's layers it's all about it's kind of a nod to um to the old brainwashy religions of um tom cruise so it's uh oh i know it's scientology Oh, okay. Yes, the Scientology. There's a lot of messages of Scientology and brainwashing and going to the perfect self and the the, the consequences of of pushing too far. Where do you where do you lose yourself and where do you find a demon of dark inside? It's it's such a weird movie, uh, and it's a nod to to the really the abstract and weird movies that were played after midnight um, in theaters because they would attract uh, weed heads and everything, and that was a crowd for it, right? That's something very um, very counter, um, counter uh, pop culture, sure. right? And that's a fact that I actually learned about Whitney Seibold. I didn't even know that. We, we went so deep into this movie that it, it, I didn't care if anyone would listen to the show. I was just ho- so happy talking about it. But the music is so unique. It, it fits so well, but at the same time, uh, is, it's a standout. I listen more to the soundtrack than the movie itself. Uh, and it's it's definitely worth if you're into something that's less um, common and something that just the music alone can can pop up images of your own imagination. You don't have to watch the movie to have to be inspired, right? But it's very unique and it's it's its own beast. So definitely check out Beyond the Black Rainbow if you like things that are non traditional, like Eraserhead or um holy mountain from Drabowski or like the really odd things give you treat yourself try to find this movie and definitely try go on youtube ch- check beyond the black rainbow the soundtrack uh if you like something different it might be right up your alley okay i'll definitely give that a chance though too i'll look out on amazon prime see if i can find it on there or something I know it's on Crave. I uh, I don't know. The like, Crave is our, our Canadian HBO, and has like HBO and uh, the the movie network equivalent in Canada and a couple of things. I, I, I if ever I find a way to get for you to watch it, I'll definitely you know. <laughs> okay, thank you, man. I do appreciate that. Uh, all right. So, what's your number two? My number two would be the Queen of the Dam soundtrack. I do not remember that soundtrack. Wow, <laughs> it is such a good soundtrack you can definitely tell this is the early 2000s 
Because it actually has Static X on it. It has David Jermaine from Disturbed by himself, not with Disturbed on it. But it also has a Disturbed song. Um, Wow. Down with the Sickness. It has Papa Roach. It has uh, Corn and Marilyn Manson together. Oh, really? It has Jonathan Davis and Marilyn Manson on the soundtrack together. Wow. Okay, so you see that... I had zero interest in the movie until you tell me that. That's right on my alley of rather disturbed. I, I actually went to see their concert live and me too. lost my mind. Um, but yeah, that, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm interested now. And I also have to mention this. Deftones is on the soundtrack too. Not a big fan. I'm not a big fan of Deftones, but I am a big fan of the song, Change of the House of Flies. Okay. That's my favorite huh. song by Deftones. That's probably going to be the only song I like by Deftones. But I'm sorry it, people that like Deftones, but I'm not a fan of Deftones that much. Yeah, was, uh, I find them they're very muddy. It's like it sounds always like I couldn't differentiate one song from the other person from Deftones. It all sounds the same, but that's just me. But uh, for the movie itself, is it a case of like a bit of my Tron Legacy? Not a good movie, but really incredible soundtrack. Or do you like the movie? on par with the soundtrack. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. The movie is hit and miss in some spots of the film. Because okay. this is supposed to be a sequel to Interview with the Vampire. Yeah. And I love the Interview with the Vampire. We might actually have to review that one day, you and I. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I love that movie. And then they moved into a more of a modern setting with a, in the year 2000, where Lestat wants to come out of hiding and be known as a vampire to the world mm. and he uses the music which is actually part of what david Jermaine is singing in the soundtrack and everything mm. and he uses the music to actually lure vampires out of the out of it and vampires don't want to be known they want to be hidden still so he's disrespecting the whole entire vampire culture by going out being out in the open so mm. if you think about it he's kind of came out of the coffin yeah <laughs> yeah technically yeah technically yeah but, you know, you have some vampires that were actually not, all the vampires were non-acceptive to the fact that he wanted to be known. So, therefore, you know, he put human lives in danger and his own life in danger. Mm. Especially at the concert that he performs at. And I remember, like, the only thing I remember is being like, why? The, the casting was off. It so was. Off. It, it's, it just didn't work. This, you see, I completely forgot the soundtrack. I think I like I just blocked it on my my mind. Uh, but definitely with the, the whole list, you you you, it's like Papa Roach, man, last resort. That that right. good lord uh, <laughs> brings me back. But yeah, okay, now definitely gonna have to check that one out too. Most definitely. Like I said, I'm a huge Static X fan. Matter of fact, Static X just released a new album with nice. As, and get this, Wayne Static is actually on that album because he had unfinished work on the album. So. Huh. They were able to complete it with other people, other artists and everything. Interesting. So that album's actually out now, and I'm glad that they're still doing music, and they're able to actually use Wayne Wayne's voice in it. And, like, how old are they now? Ooh, you're talking about probably maybe in their mid-40s, maybe 50s now? I mean, as a band. Oh, as a band? Oh. I don't know, to be honest. I mean, I know that they were a big hit back in the 90s and stuff mm. like that. And I like, I, I really like them. Band. Huh? Yeah. They, they are a 90s band, 90s, 2000. So, yeah. Right, let's say, damn, okay, yeah. That they're, they're getting old. <laughs> <laughs> but, All right. but, yeah, 
so go on. What's yours? What's, what will be your number one? My number one. Okay. If anyone guessed this movie, congratulations. Um, like, if you thought this would be my number one, congratulations. Go buy yourself a lotto ticket. Uh, even I got surprised when I put it on, but I just I had to put it number one. It's not the most serious movie on the planet. It's definitely not the, the most serious soundtrack on the planet. And yet it sticks in your brain like there's no tomorrow. And I am talking about Tenacious D in a pick of this. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry in advance, but this was a tradition at my apartment with my roommates. Every freaking morning we'd get up and say, Fuck yes, you are fucked. Shit out of luck. Now I'm competing. My cock, you will suck. <laughs> that movie, like every song, is a masterpiece of my teenage idiot brain of mine. Um, it's the most vulgar, stupid, nonsensical, and yet I adore this movie. I've, I've, when I worked at a, uh, at the video rental place, I would put this movie like in the end shifts. And, like, through the whole story, you'd hear, like, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> and I give a fuck. I, I absolutely love, love the characters. Jack Black as best. Uh, the music just is legendary in the stupidity. But it works. Like, the whole um, uh, the scene where Cal Gas plays his, his, um, his guitar. And then, at one point, Jack Black just... Uh, just jumps in like, can't you see he's the man? And then, uh, like, he, he's following the classical music, but in the most vulgar way. And I just fell in love. <laughs> <laughs> I remember going to the movie theaters to see that movie. Nice. Do you like the movie? I like the movie. I like the soundtrack. It brought back memories, especially the part where they're out in the where Jack Black's out in the uh, out in the park and he hears his friend playing the guitar and he's using the. Uh, instrumental to actually do a song yeah that's the one i was, uh, yeah. was talking about. So, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah that that scene right there brought back memories that you mentioned so and, and as well for me like i'm not big on comedies but there's something of the, how they use the music for his own comedy like strawberry river when he was high on mushrooms or when he has to push the red button to deactivate lasers but he had to get a boner to <laughs> And like get a boner to so big that the deactivate the, the laser beam and the like the music in the background you would hear cock 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 I mean <laughs> it's like like how stone were they and yet it worked <laughs> exactly and not only that but it's goes to show you how ridiculous it was but also how fun it was and and how tenacious D is an awesome band I like if I could I would see them live same here uh, I've been wanting I, to. <laughs> Uh, tribute is probably one of my funny. Um, like I love Weird Al Yankovic, but uh, as a comedy song for me, Tribute from the Initiative, which is not in the movie, it's in one of the albums, is a masterpiece. I agree. Master- I'll have to agree with that. I remember actually seeing the music video on MTV on MTV. Yeah. And the, them in the photo booth and everything, and then they're doing yeah. this song. Ah. Uh. <laughs> I, I, and Jack Black sings good, man. I, I have to admit, like, since School of Rock, I don't know if it's in the Sing School of Rock, but yeah, I, 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 I remember, like, the performance. Like, yeah, this guy is good. And then when I saw Tenacious D, it, yeah, man, he, he has a beautiful voice, and he has a good rock voice. Uh, and it, it makes so much sense that he would make a heavy metal tribute musical. Right. 
Exactly. I remember trying to explain clients what kind of movie this was, and the only thing I could come up is, yeah, it's a heavy metal musical. And you would look at me like, what? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. People will actually think that you lost your mind. I'm like, wait, a heavy metal musical? <laughs> and that's good. And that's completely bonkers and still works. And again, there's like a couple of cameos at Ben Stiller and uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy, uh, I'm not good at names right now. But there's a couple of good cameos that just makes the movie. And you have to double check. You realize, oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's actually them, you know? Right. And I thought that was, I thought the soundtrack was really good. It's funny. It definitely hits with what they're trying to do. I thought it was really good. Like a uh, master exploder when he's like dreaming, and at one point he has like this like a uh, cow gas has this um this guitar of like two legs being split like uh, apart. Oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and and he and Jack Black actually makes a, a guy's head explode just by guitar solo. It is uh, just it's so cheesy. It shouldn't work, but it does exactly. So what's your number one, my good sir? Okay, so I'm going to be honest with you. I had a struggle with putting... I was either choosing South Park, Bigger, Longer, Uncut. Okay. Or I was putting uh, High Fidelity on there. But I'm going to have to go with The Crow soundtrack. The what? The Crow soundtrack. Oh, that... Yeah, Alex Proyas did that movie. He also did The Dark City like on the list last time. I don't remember the music. That's so sad. And you know what? This movie actually opened me up to more music back when I was okay. 10 years old. As a matter of fact, I was 10 years old when I saw this movie in theaters. Yeah. Huh. And, you know, it introduced me to uh, art, indie artists like Nine Inch Nails for Dead Souls, which mm. is a cover song. Mm. And it also ended up opening up to more worlds with grunge music with Stone Temple Pilots. You have Rage Against the Machine. You have Helmet, Pantera, uh, and a bunch of other band, 90s bands and everything that I got into. And the music fits so much the visuals, the mood, the the, the recording, uh, like the, 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 the acting itself, right? It's not the best acting. No. Personally. They're just cheesing it, right? Right. But there's something, like, Again, I don't remember the music, but the way you describe it, like the artists you just said, uh, it, it makes sense. I mean, it's such a dark and heavy movie, too, you know? Exactly. Especially the way they do the rain and everything and, and the lighting. Yeah. yeah. It's just great. Well, Alex Proyas is a, is a master of, of dark. Uh, really sad that uh, one of his other movies with, um, I think it's the it? Unknown... Is it the unknown? Yes. Yeah, uh, the one with uh, what's his face? Uh, uh, Con Air. Um, Nicholas Cage. Or- yeah, Nicholas Cage. It's that was horrible. Uh- <laughs> it was. It definitely was. <clears throat> but he has a sensibility for the darkness, and I don't know if it's the studios that push those artists or if that's his choice. But it, whoever made the decision, uh, if if I go where you're saying with the the, the artists associated, if it's Definitely. I, I definitely like Dead Souls. Nine Inch Nails is probably one of my favorite bands. Okay. Right. And everything. Uh, the Hand That Feeds Me. I try to see which ones I know by heart, the titles. I'm not good with titles. Uh, Closer. Oh, yeah. Obviously, Chloe. See, I, it's funny. Uh, I uh, I associate that uh, more to um, what's his face? 
Johnny Cash. Uh, I know which song you're talking about. Uh, Hurt. Yeah. Uh, that the, 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 there's there's I love uh, that rendition. I don't like it as much with Nine Inch Nails. Uh, it's not as good personally. I found that it fits Johnny Cash, especially his story, his his history. Uh, but I, I I can definitely respect Nine Inch Nails if you haven't um, listened to it before. The um, the Trent Reznor actually appears in one of the um, I think I forgot the name of the documentary. It's from the, with David Grohl, uh, which again I forgot to mention is in uh, Ten Inches in the Pick of Destiny as the Devil, uh, which is <laughs> awesome. Uh, but Dave Grohl did a documentary about going to uh, um, like save this like um, music console of like old that recorded legendary uh, legendary records. And he saved one because they're becoming rarer and rarer. Now everything's digital, right? right? And he is one of the rare, you know, activists of let's do it the old way. And uh, he does songs with other artists with that that, that console, and the the basically just like freehanded and just makes whatever that comes out. And he does one with Trent Reznor, and there's like a 12 minute performance video on YouTube. It's it's brilliant. You can see they're both feeding off each other. Uh, you can see the genius of Trent Reznor, like understanding where Dave Grohl is going with it, with the drums and where the bass is going, and just ad libbing it. And it's an emotional, very captivating song. And to think that that was all improv shows their genius. I'm gonna have to check that one out between him and uh, between. Dave Grohl. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out because I love oh. Dave Grohl. So. It's, it's it's genius, man. That 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 song is genius. Uh, even like it's the version without the the um, the lyrics. It's just them producing the song, right? And I actually prefer that version without lyrics, just instrumental. Okay. Because for something that was improvised, their timing is like is like he can read Dave Grohl's mind when he's gonna stop a certain part of the drums. He knows it, so he, he kind of like preemptively changes or, or tweaks. Uh, the rhythm in a certain way that fits perfectly, and yet they never talked before, you know? <laughs> okay, I'm going to have to give it a shot. I'm going to have to check that one out. <laughs> All right. So, All right, so, yeah. All right, so that's going to be it for the top ten list and everything. I do appreciate you being on, man. I do. I know that you have a busy schedule with the baby and everything else, so I don't want to keep you any more than, uh, than I kept you. No problem, man, no problem. Uh, it, it's been a pleasure. Like I, I need to talk about movies or schmoda. Or just talk to someone over the internet to stay sane. Uh, I, I, I definitely love to be on your podcast, sir, and I can't wait to, to be able to, to, to do a couple uh, here and there uh, to keep me sane. So uh, that being said, um, before we go, uh, one thing I forgot, sorry about that. Uh, I, I wanted to recommend a song okay. um, that the people like – the movie that no one knew beyond the black rainbow. Uh, if people are really curious, there's one song I definitely want you guys to check out on YouTube is run program dash sentionot. Just write uh, beyond the black rainbow and run program. You'll definitely find uh, what I'm talking about. It really captivates and shows what kind of music overall it is. And it's definitely worth uh, listening to. Okay. And the song I'm gonna let you um let you let me choose for you is gonna be "I'm Still Standing" by Elton John. Okay, you see, I kind of had the feeling you would go that uh, with the Elton John movie. 
I don't know why, but I had a feeling when the the way you were talking about it, you really seemed like they really loved that uh, that movie, especially those songs. I do. I I really did love that movie and everything. And I want to not only that, but I like introducing uh, people that's on the podcast with me to new movies and new music and stuff. So mm-hmm. that's my way of actually introducing you to a little bit more of Elton John's discography. Hmm. All right, and I'm happy to see that we again only have like one movie in common in the whole list. <laughs> hey, that's good though. I'm glad that we actually oh. differentiate. You know, oh, we we definitely have different spectrums. Uh, the, the, we sometimes like, oh, I was gonna put it, but you put it. I'm not, I'm glad you put it. You know, right. we we the final decision making when it comes to our list are is still pretty different that we rarely repeat, man. Exactly, and it's great. <laughs> so right. thanks again, man. It's been great as always, and I just want to tell everyone. Two, that I'm going to be doing my YouTube channel pretty soon. It's probably going to be up pretty soon with StreamYards. Uh, it's going to be a live broadcast, just like you do with Hotel Nerd and also with SEN Live. I'm probably, and I want to actually have you as a guest on it sometime soon. I would love to. And it's going to be great. It's going to be fun. It's going to be energized. The only thing is, I haven't figured out how to actually put PayPal into StreamYards or anything like that. So I actually have another place they can actually donate is called buy me a cup of coffee buy me a coffee okay and you can actually donate through that way it's hooked up through my paypal so check that out at movie lovers it won't let me do movie lovers unite but at movie lovers so that's gonna do it for tonight for the show i do appreciate you being on again man it's been great and as always until next time bye bye